Good morning, everyone. Would you take out your notes with me? And, and go ahead, ushers. Take out your notes with me because we're in this series forward together. And really what it's all about is whenever you're going to do something great, you, you can't go at it alone. You have to do this together. How many Patriot fans do we have this morning? How many? Just, yeah, like three, right? I understand. But this today, today, they, they're going to have to play together as a team. How many Eagles fans? Any of them? Yeah, a little bit more. Not bad. So whatever's going to happen to I'm, I'm just going to breeze by the teams because Detroit's not even anywhere near that. So they're going to have to play together as a team in order to win. We understand that. But when it comes to life, sometimes we don't understand that. We don't think that we need other people in our life to be successful. We don't think, even as a married couple, that we need to do this together in order for our marriage to succeed. And even in a greater way, together with God. See, God gives us wisdom for areas in which we will need wisdom for that we don't know we need wisdom for. If we had the wisdom required to do whatever needs to be done in our life, we wouldn't need God. But we only know so much. We are a limited creature. God is limitless. So when He has a plan and a purpose for our life, we, we're going to need the power that goes along with it. We don't have it in ourselves. It's not self-sustainable. It is not self-manufactured. It has to come from God. So this morning, we're going to take a look at how can we see clearer then when it comes to our life? How can we see clearly? How can we see when, when we cannot see what's ahead? How do we see when we don't even know what's going to happen in the future? How do we see when things in life seem so dim? How do we see our life when all we know is our past? How can we even look forward to a great future when all we know of is some horrible past mistakes? Well, today we're going to take a look at a story of some of the disciples and, and those who were there when Jesus died on the cross and then rose from the grave, and some even walked with him, not even knowing that it was Jesus himself. And so just think about what it means to not be able to see clearly. Now, I'm at a place in life where I'm, I'm in denial with my eyesight. It's one of those things that when you're... When your eyes start going bad and your, your hands start or your arms starts running out of room to read something, it's like that's the, that's the time where you need to go to the doctors and go check your eyeballs to make sure that you can have good eyesight or you have good eyesight or what your eyesight is all about. For instance, let's take a look at a couple of pictures and it has nothing to do with how your eyesight is. It will have to do with what's blocking the way of being able to see clearly. So I want you to guess what this picture is, okay? What, is, what do you think that is? Just, you can just yell it out if you know what it is. Okay, let's see what it really is. It's a battery. Very simple. And the reason why we couldn't see it that well is because there is a window between what you are able, or your eyesight and the, the item. So the window is dirty. It didn't change the fact that this is still a battery. The window, the dirty window, didn't change what it was, but it did change what you saw. It impeded your vision. Let's take a look at the next one. What is this? What is that? Okay, what is it? Ah, deodorant. Strong enough for a man, made for a woman. Okay, next one. Yeah, that's a coffee mug or some type of mug. 
it, right? Let's see it. <laughs> we, had to, we had to go with a neutral color. Yeah, Raiders, right on. Gruden now is your guys' coach, right? Yeah, okay, anyway, ne next one. What is that? A stapler. You can see it. Yeah, it's a stapler. Good job. Next one. What's that? Oh, it's, yeah, it's a bobblehead of Wonder Woman. Next one. Isn't this one easy? I heard a child say peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is obviously peanut butter. Now, here's, here's what happens. We can, some things we can catch. Some things is absolutely, I have no idea what that is. But what happens is we can see a vague shape of certain things and we know what it is. We can see a label, we can see the coloring or even the logo of something and we can say, oh, I know what it is. So you really don't need to see the clear picture in order for you to know what it is. And that's the problem that we all run into. Here's the problem. We see a vague shape of something, and we settle for that. Because we're okay with it. I see a vague shape of what my marriage should look like, so I don't need to see what God sees. I'm okay with the vague shape of it. I, I kind of know what it's supposed to look like, and I'm okay with it. I, there's a vague shape of what my life should look like, so I'm okay with just the vague shape of it. I don't need to see clearly what my life should look like because I kind of know what it is. I don't need to see clearly where my, where my family is heading or, or, or how, I'm, how I am with my children. I don't need to because I, I, there's a vague shape there, so I don't need to see clearly. Oh, I know God a little bit. There's a vague shape of who He is, and so I, I don't really need to see the full clear picture. And we are okay with that. We settle for just the vague shape of what life looks like, our life with God, our life with our family and community and, and whatever else. We, we, we're okay and we get used to just the window being dirty. And we're okay with it. Well, the story that we're going to look at is found in Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, we find that Jesus dies on the cross and then he rises from the grave, and it's on the day that he rose from the grave that these people were walking with him. See, something took place when they were walking with Jesus. And by the way, for some of you who have been walking with Jesus for a while, I think we have a, an understanding that walking with Jesus doesn't mean you live a perfect life. What it means is that while you're, while you're walking with Jesus, his perfection leads your life. For some of you, you just came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and it's a new life that you're living. It takes time to develop that, but that's why we need to walk with Him side by side so that He can help us and grow with Him. In fact, last week, we had people who received Jesus, and just to give you a heads up, uh, we used to have, when, once you receive Jesus, that as you exit the doors, you're going to see some ushers with some Bibles, and then they would hand you a Bible uh, if you said yes to Jesus, you would let them know. What we're doing differently is we, are, we want to meet you and we want to explain to you the decision that you made. So after service, if you receive Jesus today, then we're going to meet down here right on the side. Uh, and then we're going to explain to you what happened. We have a yes table. It's in our green room, which is right directly behind the stage. And it's just a time for you to ask questions if you need to, as well as we'll give you a Bible and then we'll kind of give you your next steps. And the reason why we're doing that is because we didn't want you to leave here not knowing exactly what took place as well as what are those next steps. 
And it might seem intimidating. It's like, wait, where are you taking me in the back room? What could happen in there? It, all it, if you were to look back there, it's just a table with some, uh, some Bibles and things like that. It's nothing scary, okay? I know sometimes in church it can be like, why, why, why am I going in the back room? Where, where am I going? And the reason why we go back there also is so that there will be less distractions for you uh, or for uh, you being right here. We just didn't want uh, people coming through, and we wanted to give you uh, our 100% attention so that if you should have any questions or even prayer, then we can talk about those things. And I would love to personally meet you because if you receive Jesus, that is the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I would want to celebrate that with you. That is, a, that is an eternal decision. It's not a today decision. But that's, that's how we're doing that. And, and, and we call that our yes table. So Luke chapter 24, let's dive into our story. And these men, as they walk with Jesus, something takes place and we're going to apply it into our lives so Luke chapter 24, verse 13, I will start there, verse 13, and it reads it like this. Now the same day, this is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So not a bad walk. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? So they're almost questioning Jesus like, everybody knows what happened. How can you not know? And Jesus asked, well, what things? What things have happened? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So they're saying that he's a prophet. So they, they didn't even understand the full context of who Jesus was. They just understood him as a prophet. Because remember, he said who he was, and people recognized him, some, as son of God. And some people said, no, he's just a prophet, especially because he died on the cross. They were more skeptical, thinking, if he was the son of God, why doesn't he take himself off of the cross? So now these guys are downcast. They're wondering, okay, what is going on? So the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what, and what is more... It, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how, how foolish you are. This is, this is Jesus speaking now. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, 
he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And by the way, after service, or at the end of our service today, we're going to conclude with communion together. So that's what was happening. And as soon as Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our, heart, our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's almost like they're saying, it makes sense now. It makes sense while we were walking. Something was happening inside of us when he was talking with us. But it makes perfect sense now why that was happening. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, which were the disciples, the other disciples, and those with them. They assembled together and, and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. When Jesus breaks the bread, something takes place. See, the world that we live in and what happens in life will dirty the windows to our faith, our soul, our understanding, and our vision for our potential future, especially with God. But when, when Jesus shows up and he breaks bread with them, he, he does something in the spiritual that causes their eyes to open. See, something of the supernatural takes place when we commune with Jesus. And they recognize something in the way he did what he did. In other words, they, they knew him to such a degree that when he broke bread, it was recognizable. They were that close to him to recognize that this is, this is how Jesus did things. In fact, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to fight the flesh saying, but I don't, I, don't, I don't want to live like that, the Jesus way. I don't want to be a religious fanatic. I, I don't want to follow the word of God. We, we're going to have to fight that because there is a way that God wants us to live, and it is the best way. It is the best life to live. But we got to believe that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, in our notes, or if you're using our church app, it says, now we see things imperfectly. We see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. In other words, remember when we were looking at the, the pictures with the dirty window? Some of us, we were kind of pondering and thinking. We were puzzled, thinking, what is that? That's what the Bible is saying, we, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. In other words, how well God knows you and I, which is He knows everything from beginning to end. He knows every detail about our life. And he still loves us. He says, that's how you're going to be able to see. You're going to be able to have clarity. But right now, you, you don't have clarity. Right now, you, you, you're puzzled. You're wondering, what, what is it supposed to be? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to live? What decisions should I make? How do I live my life according to the standards of God while still living in the world that I live in? So everything's kind of dim right now. It's, it's like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But we will be able to see things clearly one day. Right now, it's just partial and incomplete. 
well, how then do we see clearly? How can we do that? Because have you ever had like cloudy thoughts? You just can't capture your thoughts. Have you ever felt like you, like you wanted more for your life? Like there has to be something more. Why do I feel unsettled in my soul? Or maybe possibly you feel like giving up because you can't see a way out. You don't know where to go from here. You don't know how the finances are going to work. You don't know what, what's going to take place. And if you make certain decisions, what if I make the wrong decision? I mean, we, have, we all have these kinds of questions. And so the question really is, how do we see clearly? Where does clarity come in? And so what we're going to do is explore some ways on how we can see clearly. And the first one is very simple. It's to invite Jesus into your life. It is very simple. And sometimes we think that's salvation. But it's not just salvation where we invite him into our life, into our hearts. It's every single day of life that we invite Jesus in. Sometimes we'll block him out because we know what we need to do or, or what should be done. But we block him out and he says, no, invite me in. These two men who are on the road to Emmaus, they expected the promise from God, the promised deliverance from the hand of Christ. But then when Jesus goes to the cross, it's like all oh, hope is gone. They didn't think it was supposed to happen like that. They thought it was going to happen in the current sense, that Jesus was having some followers, he was going to have this regime, he was going to build up an army, and then they were going to dominate and take over as Jesus being their king. They didn't realize it was going to start with his death. That was not in their plan. They didn't think, oh, we're going to, we're going to be set free by the death of our Savior, by the death of our leader, by the death of the one who was opening the eyes of the blind, and was doing miracle after miracle. They didn't see that death was the beginning. But that's what happens when there's a new taking place with God. There has to be a death in order for a resurrection. There has to be a dying to myself in order for my life to thrive. So when you invite Jesus into your life, he's going to bring in life because he is life. But when life comes in, death must happen. When death happens, when I die to my old self, then I can live in this new life. Death and life does not coexist. Death needs to happen so that life can come forth. And they couldn't see, these, these men walking with Jesus, even the disciples, they, they couldn't see how the death of Jesus would bring them hope. And sometimes we don't see how a, a dying to self can bring hope. And not until... They invited Jesus into their home where they're actually able to see him. And for many of us, we can relate to feeling like all hope is lost. But Jesus overcame hopelessness to bring us possibilities. When I first came to know Jesus, I was, I was 19 years old. And going through, you know, that, that time period as a, as a teenager and then as a young adult is a difficult time. And what made it more complicated for myself and Heidi was that we had our child uh, when I was 15 and Heidi was 16. So we were young parents, we were teenage parents, and so we, we, were, we were trying to learn how to live life while at the same time raise up this life. So we're at a, a real critical place, and we're still dealing with our past, our sins, and, 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 and our relationship, and how do we work this out being so young. So we're thinking of all these things, but then by the time I came to know Jesus, when I said yes to him, the moment I said yes to him, it's like things became that much clearer. There was a purpose for my life. There was hope. There was a future. There was power that was given to me as well as guidance. That was probably the number one thing 
that captured my heart was, wait a minute, now I have, I have a guidance. The Holy Spirit will guide me now. Now I have what I never thought I could have, which was a better future than I thought I had at the present time. I thought that this was all there was to it, but when I said yes to Jesus, invited him into my life, it's like the windows opened up, clarity was given. And it wasn't just the day of salvation, even still till this day when we have to make decisions or just struggling with some things or maybe my thoughts are foggy a little bit. I invite Jesus in, do my devotions, get into the Word of God, do some journaling, clearer, clarity. It happens as a result of bringing Jesus in. See, the disciples and, and even these two walking with Jesus, they didn't believe that he was alive. They just felt all oh, hope was gone. So the last thing they were expecting was for Jesus to show up and start walking with them. They just thought of him as, oh, this is just a, a fellow traveler that just came up. And, and so they're not even expecting Jesus but Jesus expected that from them. Jesus knew they wouldn't recognize him. They knew that their, their faith wasn't there yet. That's why he called them, that's why he said, oh, foolish. You're, you're thinking foolishly. And the, the phrase, the word that he used is how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He wasn't saying you're a fool. He's just saying the way you're thinking right now is foolish. And, wipe, and what wipes the dirt from the, the windows of our soul or the, or the windows of our perspective, what wipes that dirt and what cleans it is actually the presence of the Lord. That's why when Jesus shows up, their hearts were burning, but they just couldn't understand why. Well, Jesus was already stirring their hearts. And that happens even in a setting like this, that we get into the Word of God and we worship Him, and all of a sudden there's a stirring of the heart. And as the heart is being stirred, we're beginning to see a little bit clearer. And then when we commune with Jesus, things start to make sense. Have you ever sat in church and then as we're going on with the service, you start thinking to yourself, how do they know? Like, how does, did you call the pastor and tell him that we were talking? No, I didn't say anything. But God knows. He knows exactly what needs to be said and what's taking place. It's like, like he's speaking directly to us, which he is. He's speaking directly to our hearts and he's stirring our hearts. And so the washing of our, our soul, our spirit, our, our perspective helps us to become, become that much clearer, helps us to see that much clearer. But it happens with the presence of the Lord in our lives. We've got to invite him into our lives. Acts 3.19 tells us, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. In other words, so that it can be washed clean so that times of refreshing may come from where? From the presence of the Lord. That's where we're washed clean. It's from the presence of the Lord. That's where clarity comes in. It's from the presence of the Lord. It's not just from knowledge or knowing things. It's from the presence of the Lord. And so we invite Jesus into our life every moment of our life, no matter what is taking place. And then the second thing is how to see clearly, get into the Bible, read the Bible, open up the Word of God. Today, we have no reason not to read the Bible because we all have one. Every single person has one. You might think, I don't have a Bible. Well, you can download one for free onto your phone and you will always have it with you. There are tons of reading plans that you can read. We have one called the Life Journal Reading Plan, and it takes us through the entire Bible in one year. 
But what it does is it, it begins, it helps us to see that much clearer because what else is coming into our life? Social media comes into our life. We watch different shows. We go on uh, the internet. We read the newspaper. So we have all these different types of media coming in. Well, if I don't get the Bible and the Word of God coming in, then all it is is just words and dirt coming into my soul and my life that causes me to not be able to see clearly. It impedes my vision to whatever God is about to do. Well, when I read the Word of God, then it begins to bring clarity, gives, gives guidance, and it also washes the clutter that comes into our life. See, even Jesus opened up the Scriptures and explained to these two men while they were walking in all the Scriptures concerning Himself. He opened, up, he opened it up to them. And he, he gave respect to the Old Testament. That's what Jesus was doing. He started with Moses and all the way up to where they were today. He was exposing the burden of the entire Old Testament, the burden of leading everyone to himself. That's the burden of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. That's why he started with Moses and the Old Testament, so that it could be led to him. Sometimes we think the burden in our world is sin, that we got to get rid of sin. How do we get rid of sin? But how often we think that the Bible is full of rules and regulations and, and to show us how sinful we are and how bad we are. But really, the, the burden of this world is not sin itself. The, the burden of, the greatest burden of this world especially the Old Testament, is revealing Jesus. That's the burden of this world. It's revealing Jesus. Isn't it true that you could say anything or people could say anything on TV, on the news? They could say anything. They could say anything in an interview, but the moment you mention the most powerful name of all, Jesus, that's when everybody, oh, 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 cut, 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 cut this. Oh, sorry, the difficulties, technical difficulties. Uh, we're not able to transmit right now. That has happened before. Why? Because there's something powerful about the name of Jesus that the world has a burden for. And it doesn't know how to carry the name. But the world wasn't supposed to carry the name of Jesus. It's supposed to be you and I as believers. That's why when we get into the Word of God, we strengthen who we are as believers, the church. We carry that burden of the name of Jesus. And not only did the death of Jesus seem to them like they, that giving the fatal blow to hope, but Jesus had been dead for two days. So that's a long time for anything good to happen. They were, all, they were on the third day. They saw Jesus suffer, suffering. They saw him suffer. And, and Jesus needed to suffer. And we, we catch this later. Now we can read this. But at the present moment, they didn't know why he had to suffer. But really, suffering leads to the gate of God's glory. So you might be thinking, I'm suffering right now. <laughs> right now I'm suffering. Yeah, but as you get into the word of God and you, you begin to have clarity for your life, you, you're going to see that even that suffering can bring glory to God. Yeah, right now I'm suffering. Right now, my, my life, my marriage, my family, it's going through a rough time. It's suffering. 
Yeah, but when you get into the Word of God and you see what God is doing and, and who He is and His promises, you're going to see God's glory come out of suffering because He leads us to life. See, suffering will change you, but not necessarily for the better. You must choose that. We're all going to suffer, but we must ch choose what suffering will bring out of us. It's our choice. The, they, they lost all hope. They, they couldn't see any, any form of living a life that God had promised. They, they were saying all hope is lost. But once all hope was lost and Jesus shows up, now their hearts begin to stir. Now as Jesus opens up the scriptures to them, they're beginning to once again understand, wait a minute, this is what was supposed to happen. This is all a part of God's plan. We didn't understand it. But that's why our hearts were burning because Jesus was once again reiterating the vision that God had. You see, when you get into the Word of God, the Word of God reiterates once again who you are and the, the vision and purpose that God has given to you and I. So if you ever feel like you're going downhill or you feel downcast as these guys were, get into the Bible. Read the Bible. Open up His Word. Because the Bible is living and active, and sometimes when we're sedentary and non-active and we're dead, we need something that's living and active to kind of jumpstart that which is dead on the inside. And God will give you clarity. I love how Psalm 119 tells it. Psalm 119, 105, it tells us that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love that because a lamp is not, it doesn't say your word is a stadium lighting to my path. It is a lamp to my path. It doesn't light up everything. I mean, if, if God's word lit up everything and, and we could see everything, we'd be intimidated and we'd almost feel like there's no possible way I could do that. But he says, no, it's a lamp unto your feet. See, a lamp unto our feet brings clarity as well as closeness. If someone is taking you on a dark trail and they have a lamp, you must stay close to them in order to see. And the same is with God. We must stay close to Him in order to see. That's why reading the Bible causes clarity because we get close to God and we can see that much clearer. My uncle, while I was growing up, he was our coach, our basketball coach, and when he would want to teach something with the whole team, he could teach it, and he could speak to us from a distance. But if there wasn't understanding, if I said, I don't know what you mean, what are you talking about? He would draw me near to himself, and he would take the basketball and show me how. There would be a nearness because I lacked the understanding or because I wanted to learn how. And that's what happens with God. When there's no understanding, then we need to draw near to him so that he can give us that understanding. And that was, that's what was happening with these guys as they're walking with Jesus. The closer they were to him, the more their hearts were burning. And the more that Jesus exposed the scriptures, the more they began to stir up in their hearts. And then by the time Jesus was in that intimate moment with them, breaking bread, were their eyes open. And as soon as their eyes were open, is as quick as Jesus disappeared. It's like Jesus was saying, your eyes are open? My, my, my goal right now is done. I just needed you to see me. 
And they were so amazed, and they had to tell everyone what they saw and experienced. Which brings us to our last point. This helps us to see clearly, is to use our faith in God, not the eyes of man. It's our faith in God, not the eyes of man. Because the eyes of man is, it's, it's so tricky, it's fickle. We, we tend to go by opinion and, and feeling rather than faith. And when we go by faith, it's, it's, it's terrifying sometimes because we don't know the outcome. But Jesus took bread and blessed it, and their eyes were opened. And this, this first of all, this unknown man right, is walking with them and then is invited to stay with them. Or he comes to their, uh, their home to break bread. Now, as he enters their home here, now, remember their culture, okay? The culture. Like, in, let's just say, I'll, I'll use it in this way. Let's just say you invited a stranger to your home, a stranger, complete stranger. And at your dining table, you have your chair and your spouse and your children. And that specific chair, everyone knows, is dad's chair. Okay, or even in the living room, that's dad's chair. No one sits in that. That's dad's chair. Okay, it fits dad's body. So it's, that's where they are. Everyone understands that. Imagine if you invited this stranger into your home. He sat down in dad's chair, pulled up his feet, and started asking questions. Like, yeah, so uh, how's the family? We would kind of be like, oh, he doesn't know. But if he walks in, opens the refrigerator, and says, you guys get anything for eat? A stranger now just walks in and opens. Now, some of us, were like that. We're like, yeah, go ahead, eat, and things like that. But you would kind of question it a little bit. Because it's kind of odd that this stranger would just do something like that. No, family, we can do that. Yeah, we understand that and, and close friends. But here comes this stranger and just opens your refrigerator, starts eating your favorite cereal, your favorite food, starts eating your favorite candies, whatever it is. Then you start to get like, who does this guy think he is? Like, get out of my house. So here's what happens. They invite Jesus in. And in the culture at that time, when they sat down, there was specific places to sit. Jesus sat at the place where the master of the home sat. Jesus sat in that position, and here are the guys thinking, wait, why is he sitting over there? Then he starts to do certain things that Jesus normally does as he's breaking bread. And it's at that moment that they're understanding, wait a minute, the reason why he sat there, the reason why he's breaking bread like this is because, oh, this is Jesus. Boom, he's gone. It's like once clarity came in, Jesus is saying, that's where I needed you to be. I needed you to once again see clarity. I needed you to see again the hope that I bring. I needed you to see once again who I am. I needed you to see once again my power. And for so many of us, that's where we are today. We just, we want to see his power again. Things have been dying on the inside, Lord. Our marriage, our family, things have been going astray. I, I can't see clearly, but when the presence of the Lord is there, times of refreshing comes and that's what Jesus was getting them towards, is to the place where all they needed to know was the presence of the Lord is there. And when his presence is there, everything is clear. And they were beginning to see with the eyes of faith once again. Listen, if your faith is diminishing, break bread with Jesus. That's why we're receiving communion today. It's to once again see clearly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 
It tells us, for we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. It's so easy to get tricked by the eyes of man that we see through those eyes. These men, as they're walking with Jesus, they were, their hearts were burning. They were telling each other, this is, this is why our hearts were burning. It makes sense now. It's because we were walking with Jesus. He exposes the scriptures to them. They couldn't understand why their hearts were burning, why they sensed such love and glory that their hearts were inflamed, but now it made perfect sense. And sometimes even in church, we don't know why certain things are happening in our hearts, but when we understand that it's the presence of the Lord, then everything makes sense and everything is that much clearer. When we walk by sight, we miss everything that faith is required for or we miss everything that is needed for faith. We miss out on those fine details because we were focused on the death or disappointment of who we thought Jesus was, which is where they were at. They were disappointed. But now we can see clearly because we understand that the death of Jesus brought the resurrection, which can do the very same thing with us. Their eyes were open so they might see through the eyes of faith once again, not through the eyes of man. And the author of this passage, Luke, he makes a use of an expression when he says their eyes were open. And it comes out of 2 Kings. And Elisha, one of the prophets, were dealing with having opposition. And as opposition was coming, Elisha prays to the Lord in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. When his men were kind of like, we don't know what's going to happen, we're going to be overtaken. Elisha said, no, we have more than they do. And he said, no, we don't. He said, yes, we do. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes, let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. In other words, Elisha was looking through the eyes of faith while this young man was looking through the eyes of man. And Elisha says, you don't worry about it. God is going to fight our battle. This young man, was, he was freaked out because he's thinking, how are we going to do this? We only have so, so many men, and look how many they have. And Elisha gave him the perspective that your eyes need to be open, not your physical eyes, but your eyes of faith. I pray this morning that our eyes of faith would be open because God opens our eyes so that we can see the significance of his glory, which in turn allows us to recognize Jesus. And when you're able to see Jesus, everything becomes a whole lot clearer. It's going to be his presence. Let him come in. We're going to be receiving communion right now, so I'm going to ask the ushers to get ready, and the worship team is going to come out. And when they pass out the juice and the bread, in fact, you can go ahead and pass out the juice and the bread. And as they're doing so, let me just explain to you a little bit of what, what communion is. And as the worship team gets ready, uh, for some of us, we don't understand completely what communion is, and we don't understand completely what is, what is taking place right now. And, and so I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive the Lord, and I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for, uh, for a while, just in a moment, and then we're going to receive communion together. But ushers, you can go ahead and, and pass out the juice and the bread. Go ahead. You can, they can do so right now. They can pass. Someone can instruct them and let them know they can go. Yeah, they can, these guys can go. So, oh, I'll just, I'll just do me there. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Thank you. 
I'll come out of uh, 1 Corinthians, and 1 Corinthians gives us, actually Paul the Apostle was speaking about communion, and he was kind of like what we're doing today, once again letting them know that this is what the Lord's Supper is about. This is what communion is all about because they were going astray. They, were, they weren't utilizing communion as how, it, as how it was supposed to be. So Paul is bringing in some, not just correction, but he's bringing direction. And so today, may the Lord bring us direction. And so Paul, when he brings this correction, he, he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said that this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what Paul was saying is here are some things that are required so that when you take the cup and when you take the bread, you're going, you're going to be able to not just have clarity but have understanding of why we do this. He also goes on to continue, or he continues, and he says that when you do this, examine yourself. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and of the cup. In other words, there are some things that are here that are causing the dirt on the windows of our soul. That as we examine ourselves, we're going to kind of inspect it, take a look at it with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord, and He's going to be able to wash it clean so that we can have clarity. For some of us, we've never said yes to Jesus, and maybe today is your day to say, I want to invite Jesus into my life. And when you do that, all things become that much clearer. Now, we're st we still have some things to work through. As the Bible says, you work out your salvation, at the same time, He gives us the power in which to do so. So I'm going to ask you to bow our heads for a moment. And I want to speak to those who have never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you're saying, I want to invite Jesus into my life, but I don't know how to. Well, it, the, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive, that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you this morning and you're saying, I want to call on the name of the Lord, would you just lift your hand real briefly and I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in the prayer. And you're saying, I want Jesus in my life. Anyone this morning, just lift a hand real briefly. And you're saying, I want Jesus in my life. I'm going to invite him today. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to invite him today. I'm going to make that decision today. Just lift a hand and I'll pray with you. Okay? Anybody else? You're saying, you're saying yes to Jesus. Okay, that is the greatest decision you're going to make. Okay. Okay. Yeah, God sees you. Yeah, God bless you right here. Okay, right there. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray this together. And then we're just going to take some time to examine our hearts. So I'll give you a moment to do so right after we pray. But if you're receiving Jesus today, in fact, we can all say this prayer because once again, it, 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 it brings clarity on who we are as believers. So let's pray this together. Add the heart, even though I'll be saying the words. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me a future and a hope. Give me clarity. Wash my soul. Give me a clear picture of who I am in you. And so I thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name I pray. 
And I'm just going to give you some time, just a moment, maybe a couple, maybe a couple seconds, just to, just to examine your heart. As the Bible says, examine your heart. If there's anything in there that you want the Lord to wash clean. There are certain things that go on in our lives that no one else sees but you see and you're so concerned because you love us. You will sit with us and break bread. And it, it is at these moments that our eyes begin to open. It's not the eyes of our physical nature, but it's the, the eyes of our faith, our spiritual nature. So today, Lord, thank you for bringing clarity and thank you for giving purpose once again. Thank you for cleansing our hearts. And we thank you once again for being such a good father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen.